1: You are listening to the 3ND Pod. I'm your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. You can find the podcast on Twitter at 3NDpod. We are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues Network of Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at at SBN Grizzlies. You can find us online at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you check out. Uh, our other podcasts, The Starting Five, The Core Four, and GBB Live. And make sure you check out our episode from last week. We had none other than Mr. Rob Fisher on with us, and it was one of our best episodes that we've had. So be sure you go and uh, subscribe and and check that one out. Joining me again is uh, my good pal, Mr. Ben Hogan. How are you, sir?
0: I'm all right. I'm getting ready for a a late night tonight.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm glad we're not recording (laughs) after the game tonight.
0: I got to do the report card, so. Oh
1: well, you're the dummy <laughs> that signed up for it.
0: Yeah, I know. I didn't realize it until after uh, I went and checked. I'm like, "Yep, all right, got that one tonight. Cool."
1: Yeah, so yesterday I did the Twitter for the game, and when I signed up for it, I didn't realize it was a one o'clock tip. And then Parker put that reminder in the Slack uh, <laughs> one o'clock tip. I was like, "Oh crap!"
0: Well, I mean, I totally whiffed on the entire injury report for the Thunder.
1: Hey man, so. it happens.
0: Yeah, I mean they were on the same game of back to back. They didn't put out anything. I just went by what it was the day before, honestly. And I tried to find some intel. Right. And they were saying, yeah, I mean, good injury news for uh, for SGA, but they said he wasn't going to They probably wasn't going to play Sunday, so that's soon, what I saw. Doubtful.
1: I'm I'm 0 for three running Twitter, so I might have to uh, <laughs> not sign <laughs> up for that anymore this year. Oh, My man. prediction
0: for the game yesterday, I predicted the Grizzlies to win by about, I think, 15, 15 or twenty.
1: Well, they should have. Yeah, they should have. Let's let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, I don't know what happened yesterday. It, it felt like it was going to be a runaway. It seemed like the Grizzlies were just on the cusp of pulling away from Oklahoma City, and you know they let let them hang around. And as they always say, you know, you get a young team, get them a little confidence and hang around, and then all of a sudden they pull away from you. And that's what happened with Oklahoma City, and there's no reason. That's a bad loss. That is a very bad loss.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's the worst loss of the season. You lost to, to one bona fide NBA stud in SGA and a bunch of G-leaguers. Like, there was no Lou Dort. There was no Al Horford. Like, there – it does, it really doesn't. What it reminds me of, we're a three A school, the team that I coach, and we scheduled some one A schools um, this year. And I guess the kids just assumed that because they were one A, we could walk in there, run right through them, and get out of there. Um, and there were a couple of games to one A schools this year that we dropped because we we toyed with them, we let them hang around, we gave them some confidence, and because they got that confidence, they took it and ran with it. Um, and at the end of the game, we couldn't we couldn't. Pull back and we lost and that kind of reminded me that like, they looked at that team across from them like oh we got this easy we'll be done by the fourth quarter we'll get some rest we know we'll get some tilly minutes and they just kept giving them confidence it it is baffling what happened last night
0: yeah I mean we see this in the NBA every once in a while you know when what a bad team beats a good team or whatever but it just felt like the Grizzlies turning the corner they had two two wins over Washington who was They were playing pretty good basketball, and then they had one-point losses to Milwaukee and Denver. I know the All-Star break was in the middle there, but basically the results were the same. You beat the Wizards, and then you lose by one to teams that are contending, are potential contenders for the title. I mean, I don't think Denver's better than the Lakers or Clippers by any means, but still, they can give them a run for their money, and they have an MVP candidate. Both teams have an MVP candidate. In fact, one has a two-time... MVP, reigning MVP. So I thought the Grizzlies would turn a corner and it just kind of felt like they took a big step back yesterday against the Thunder.
1: Yeah, and I I don't like Taylor Jenkins' postgame. It's almost like it was nothing. I've got to see some emotion out of this guy, like – you should be pissed that you lost that game unless you have some understanding from the front office that there's something going on with this season and we're not actually trying to win as many games as possible, which that's a totally different subject that we're not going to get into. It's just, it doesn't make sense that he's, I don't think he's okay with the loss. I don't think any coach is ever okay with a loss, but like be pissed, show the fans, show the media that like this one shouldn't have happened. Um, and, and don't don't make excuses for it.
0: Right. And, you know, we don't, we don't really I, – I think it's just who Taylor Jenkins is. I mean, we rarely see him fired up on the sidelines. He doesn't even uh, challenge plays that, very, that much. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He's very passive, very passive person. But you need to see a little bit more from him, if you ask me. I, I just – That is a bad loss, and it kind of felt like Oklahoma City was the team, not the players, but the the actual franchise that were saying, all right, we'll chalk this up as a loss Sunday. You know, Sunday afternoon game, we'll sit most of our guys. We'll throw a few of the G-Leaguers out there and see what happens. And they come away with a win, and, you know, that hurts the Grizzlies' playoff possibilities, and that also hurts the Thunders' tanking possibilities So, for franchises, you would think it's the worst possible outcome for both.
1: Yeah. And the Thunder made it obvious from the beginning of the year based on the moves they made in the offseason hey, we're not planning to win this year. Like, they are very obviously in tank mode with all the picks that they got. They've got a stud to build build around in SGA. And and he proved it last night that he was a stud. Um, Earlier, you know, early in the game, he couldn't get it going. DB did a good job of of holding them in check. Um, but he got his teammates involved, um, and then this freaking praying mantis, Poku, Chesky, or whatever his name is, the dude from Serbia, was yeah. tearing Kyle Anderson apart, man. Like, what was yeah. that? I don't
0: know what, what they say. He came into the game like twenty-eight percent from three, or something like that. And he's been awful all year long. And he just he was feeling it yesterday, and I don't know. That was just. That's one of those games. Also, we talked about it before the show. I mean, what, 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 what's up with Jonas? Like, he should have gotten more touches. He had the matchup.
1: Yeah. So Sean Coleman said before the game, and before he got suspended, or after he got suspended from Twitter yesterday, um,
0: <laughs> yeah, that, man, he's just uh, rolling up folks on Twitter.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> he was um, in Memphis.
1: He said that Valentine's needed twenty touches, and You know, my response was, in my mind, that was the greatest tweet that Sean ever had because he was right. One of the few times that he's right about something in basketball. (laughs) Um, The matchup was there, man. Even if it was Al Horford, the matchup would have been there. There was nobody on that team that could hold him in check. And he had 16 points, but he only got 10 touches. And I don't see a a scenario in Grizzlies basketball – where him getting less than 12 to 15 shots up leads to a win. I mean, there's there's a few anomalies out there where they did win this year when he got limited touches. But in those games, like, somebody else went off. But I'm looking at a yeah. lot of losses where he's under that, that number. And let's see, if you make the number 12, all right, we won that one when he got 12 touches. We won that one when he got 12 touches. That one, that one, that one. Um, We won that. I mean, I'm looking at probably a 750 record when Jonas gets 12 touches. So you win three out of every four games when he does that. Moses Brown was a dude that he could just put under the rim anytime he wanted to and get any shot that he wanted. And then he doesn't close the game out when you're down – and you're trying to come back, I understand that Tillman probably gives you an upgrade on defense um, or Brandon Clark gives you an upgrade on defense because he's switchable. But at that point, you had to get offense, and Valentinus is one of your more efficient offensive players. Give him the ball. He was shooting 60%. It wasn't like he was in foul trouble. It wasn't like he was just off. It, Taylor Jenkins just does some stuff sometimes that's really, really head-scratching, and I don't think that he, that the media really holds him accountable enough for it.
0: I think it's just because they feel like where the Grizzlies are right now, they are still ahead of schedule. But this is one of those games where you kind of are like, okay, you can't have a lot of these. Like, this was a very, I'm going to just keep saying it, this is a very, very bad loss. And Jonas is two games removed from his 2020, his 29 and 20 performance against against Washington. And he it, it feels like if you get him the ball and you want to ride Jonas, he will let you. He will carry you if you need him to. And it just seems like Sunday, yesterday, they weren't willing to do that. And it was when he had the matchup. I just – I don't get it.
1: No, because, like, as a coach, you go back to the last time you played OKC, watch the film, what did we do that was successful – Jonas had uh, – he went nine for 12. He had 22 points and 12 rebounds. Like, it was clear that he was somebody you could go to against his team and, and get shots. And it's not like they were taking away anything, really. It, we just got cold uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter, which was unreal. When you're scoring 30 points a quarter, then all of a sudden in the fourth, you can't find the bucket. And then they couldn't miss. It didn't matter what they threw up, who is the one that threw it up. Everything was going in for them i said it on the GBB account. We cannot afford to start hemorrhaging threes, and that's exactly what happened. They were – I mean, Poku was left open, wide open several times, and he he's one of the players that had been hot. Like, how do you lose a guy that's been tearing you up all game? It, I don't – That's been
0: a weakness all season for the Grizzlies is it's guarding a we- the perimeter.
1: It's been a weakness all franchise history.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well – Used to, I mean, they don't do it as much anymore, but it was always a big problem of uh, giving up four-point plays because they're always trying to recover, and they foul the guy. You know, they, they do that a lot, especially, I mean, in the grit and grind days, you know, the games are always close d- going down the stretch, and then all of a sudden, you know, Grizz's are up five. They give up a three, and they foul the guy. So all of a sudden, it's a one-point game. I mean, that happened more times than I'd like to remember because it, we would just sit there during the during the game and be like – what are they doing? They did it again. I can't believe. Don't foul the three-point shooter. You are late on your assignment. You lost a guy. Just let him make the three. Give him, give him the clean shot, you know, because it happened too many times. And, yeah, but that, that's been a problem. But, you know, we're talking about the last time these two teams played. If you go back and look, when the uh, Thunder got the, got the lead, they went to Jonas. The Grizzlies went to Jonas. They, the Thunder only got a one-point lead. But they went. The Grizzlies immediately went to Jonas. He made it. He made a shot, and then that McDermott hit a three. And then they went back to Jonas. Actually, Jonas got a a tip in, but then he made a he made a made a shot, and then he got the ball again on the next play. Got fouled. Went to the free throw line. It feels like they. It looks like they went to Jonas in the first time these two teams played. When the Thunder got up, they just worked it down low. I don't understand why they didn't do that again yesterday.
1: I feel like we should be assistant coaches on the staff just so we can, <laughs> hey, give it to Jonas. <laughs> I mean, yeah. somebody.
0: I mean, well, we've, we've already gone to bat on how underrated Jonas is, but it just feels like sometimes the, those inside the Grizzlies organization don't even realize what they got on their team or in the coaching staff at least. Like, you got a big dude that can dominate down low. You have the matchup. You have a, they're, they're starting big mans in foul trouble why why you don't want to try and make it a three plus you burn clock you work it inside a little bit you work the ball around you don't necessarily have to go immediately you know you're not jacking a shot four seconds into the shot clock
1: uh, that doesn't make sense you know we, we talk about everybody really talks about his uh, experimental starting fourth quarter lineups and How, you know, then we praise him at times for riding the hot hands in his closing lineups in the games. But the rotations last night were odd. So let's talk about those rotations. Grayson Allen was noticeably absent, and he's been back for two games now. Are we looking at a scenario where Taylor Jenkins becomes the first coach in basketball history to let a guy lose his job because he got hurt?
0: I mean, he did it in, what, three games? How many games did Grayson miss? Three, four?
1: Uh, I want to say he might have missed five.
0: For but still, I mean, it's this is a guy that we felt like he was getting just like charity minutes from Taylor Jenkins at times because like why is this guy in? And then he was playing well, and like okay, well he's earned his minutes now.
1: So he was inactive. Well, for, he was inactive for four games, and now he's got two straight uh, DNP's.
0: So I don't know if maybe he just. Is still a little foggy from his concussion, and
1: no, Jenkins is just letting him. No, it's it's because Milton. Out? It's because you can't take Milton out.
0: Right. I mean, I I understand that, but it's just still. You go to a guy that we felt like was just kind of Taylor Jenkins' pet, you know, or he, there were always questions. I'm like, why is he getting so many minutes? Why is D'Anthony Milton losing minutes to Grayson Allen? Is who's going to lose minutes once Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back? Well, it seems like it's already going to be uh, Grayson Allen, and uh, you know Dylan Brooks isn't losing minutes anytime soon.
1: Well, let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> so, what's a comfortable minute range for you for Dylan Brooks?
0: Um, depends on the matchup. Um, I would say twenty-five to thirty minutes.
1: Okay, for me, 25 is a max, okay? He played 31 minutes last night. Okay. you want to know what the Grizzlies record is when he plays over 30 minutes this year? There's 11 games he's played over 30 minutes. Three and eight. Dude, you nailed it.
0: I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be good.
1: (laughs) Three and eight, okay? And in those games that he uh, plays 30 minutes, he has shot – 39 percent, 40 percent, 35 percent, 42 percent, uh, 36 percent and 39 percent, 40 percent, um, 40 percent, 47 percent, 35 percent and 50 percent. So that tells me, and here's the thing, like I, I get the fact that he wears himself out guarding the other team's best player. Like I understand that, and that's what we need him to do. We need him to get under the skin of a Devin Booker or a Jamal Murray or whoever the other team's best perimeter scorer is. We need Dylan to go out there and just piss him off, um, and make sure he pisses him off in a bad way, not in a way that motivates them to just kill him. Um, <laughs> And he's. And I think here recently, the last two weeks, there's been a better job defensively by Dylan than there has been all season. I think his agitator status, I think his um, ability to, to hold their star below his average has been, has been more noticeable and better. So here's what I'm suggesting for Dylan Brooks and for me to even be able to tolerate Dylan Brooks is to continue to do that. But don't jack up 18 and 20 shots because it's obvious that you have dead legs and you're not able to knock down the shots that, you need, to, they, that need to be knocked down in those moments. We're three and eight when he plays that many, those, that many minutes. So that should tell you maybe we shouldn't play him that many minutes. So there's a stretch um, between February 1st and January 13th where he never played over 30 minutes. The Grizzlies were undefeated in that stretch. Undefeated. Also,
0: it takes into uh, account, uh, I think he's also playing more in the losses is because they're losing and they feel like they need Dylan out there to catch up. He they need
1: nuclear Dylan. Yeah. So well,
0: another – The way he's been shooting lately, that could – I don't know. You said he played, what, 31 minutes yesterday?
1: 31 yesterday, 33 against Denver, 34 against Milwaukee. 18 shots, 20 shots, and 20 shots. L, L, L. The magic number for me is 25 minutes and 15 shots are both maxes. In that stretch that they were undefeated where he played played 27 minutes almost every single one of those games, like exactly 27 minutes, and he never took more than 15 shots ever his percentages were still god-awful. I mean, I'm looking at 40, 27, 30, and 10. 10% in that Phoenix game that we won. 46 and then 33%. But he never – those were those – that stretch of basketball where I was so happy with the shot distribution. Because I think that's what has to happen with this team. You can't have somebody that's not Jaw or Jonas taking 20 shots. You've got to. You've got this team is at its best when you've got like seven guys taking ten plus shots. And I I know I'll harp on Dylan, but you and I talked about this before we started this. How long do we have to sit here and say, "Well, the eye test, or well, he really hustles, or he plays his ass off every game, or um, his defense is just so good." When, how long is that going to be an excuse? Like the numbers flat out say he is at the bottom of the league as a basketball player, period. And people are saying that, you know, I'm ignorant or I'm incapable of understanding basketball and all the little nuances that go with it. But the reality is, why are you so triggered or so set to defend a below average basketball player that you agree should not be starting on a contending team? I, it doesn't make sense to me.
0: And I think the numbers there show that he should be treated more like a a Tony Allen Uh, defense. uh, He's a better shooter than Tony Allen. He's better on offense than Tony Allen. Oh, for sure. if you're going to rely on him for his defense and his hustle, and if that's what you're going to use to come to his defense all the time, then why don't you call a spade a spade? I mean, he's a more offensive Tony Allen. I like Tony Allen. I like Dylan Brooks. I'll defend Dylan Brooks, but I'm not going to say that he needs to be shooting 15 to 20 shots a game. And there are those games in which he is going to catch fire and he's going to be awesome. And, you know, it's going to be thrown back in your face uh, because people are still (laughs) waiting on it. I'm sure people, I'm sure sure people have tweets in their drafts at with you added in them just for the game that Dylan goes off for 30 or 35 points on, you know, 14 to 23 from the field and whatever like that there it's going to happen. That would never happen with Tony Allen. But at the end of the day, he's closer to Tony Allen than he is Steph Curry.
1: So, what was funny was I checked in on the Grizzlies main account yesterday and some dude tweeted back and goes, bruh, it's a Dylan Brooks hater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, I'll tell you who – a role that he really needs to embrace on this team, and that's the Marcus Smart role. Like – Marcus gets his 10 shots a game. He doesn't shoot all that great, but he plays so hard on defense that he still pulls 30 minutes a game, but he's shooting 10 shots a game. So, let's let's just do averages. I'm a math guy. I'm a math teacher. 25 minutes, 15 shots. We take you up to 30 minutes. I need that number to come down to 10 shots. You're out there for your defense. I don't need you so taking more shots because you're <laughs> out there for more minutes.
0: That's not, that's not how averages work. If he's shooting 15 15- for twenty five, that's uh, he needs to take eighteen for thirty minutes.
1: No, we're not. No, we that's need to go. We need works, to go right? down the longer we he's need on the to floor.
0: next to each other, you know, how, all that works, right?
1: No, you know, Marcus Smart shooting thirty three percent from three, 40 percent from the field. Like, that's not great either. But we know what Marcus is out there for. Marcus knows yeah. what he's out there for. Um, some secondary playmaking and incredible defense. And Dylan just needs to embrace the role and the fact that he's not an incredible offensive player. He, Marcus Smart has his nights where he can go off for 30 because he's feeling it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was against the Grizzlies one time. He just went off. It might have yeah. been. Was it in the bubble?
0: Uh, that seems familiar. I know that there's been games. and it, it seems like he does it more when Tatum or Brown are out, but he can go off, and I think he may have gone off against the Grizzlies.
1: All right, you ready for this? He shot yeah. eight. He shot eight shots one game. We won. He shot seven. We won. He shot twelve. We won. He shot eleven. We won. He shot ten. We won. Do you you see the pattern? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just don't see how people and I think I'm starting to see more uh, more people recognize. Okay, yes, he's inefficient offensively, but then they go with the but. He he's really good at 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 stopping the other team's best player. Well, I've also seen Dylan Brooks be an open gate that just lets the best player drive right by him and go to the rim as well. Like he's, I think he's more, he's better at being. I'll put it this way: defensively, he's great at denying off ball. So like if Devin Booker doesn't have the ball tonight, he's going to do an incredible job working Devin Booker and making him work to get open. Number two, if they do have the ball. I think he's a really good, does a really good job of being physical with that player and and taking some energy out of them and beating them down. Just like Zach Randolph in the old days, you you wear him down, wear him down, wear him down, wear him down. Okay. But on ball defensively, he's not good. People dribble right by him all the time. He does not fight over screens well at all. I I just need to get over this Dylan Brooks hate and just forget that he even exists, is what I need to do. It's not going to happen.
0: You you already got a label. You're the Dylan Brooks hater. So, everybody's ready for you.
1: I mean, at least I have have a niche, right?
0: Yeah. And everybody's going to go silent when he doesn't have a good game. And everybody's going to blow you up when he does have a good game.
1: And guess what? When he has a a good game, I come on this podcast. I'll give him his credit. If I'm writing an article, I give him his credit. On Twitter, I'll even give him his credit. But you know what people don't do that are on Dylan Brooks Island? When he sucks they had.
0: well I mean that's how that's how Twitter is I mean it's you know you want to you want to be the you know you want to every time somebody does good if you're a fan of them you want to be like yeah you know you want to let everybody know that your guy went off if he doesn't go off if he's terrible just ignore it I didn't watch the game I don't know what you're talking about you
1: know it's it's gotta be exhausting to wait every two to three weeks for the guy that you root for to do something good. I <laughs> mean, all right, let's move on. But Shams Charnia came out with an article today uh, about trade the, the trade deadline or whatever, and, and Gorgie Jang was mentioned as a uh I guess a hot commodity for the Grizzlies. People are interested in him. Um he is a very good basketball player. He, I think he does have a lot of value. Um what's scary is Having to take back a contract to match it, Um, you don't want to – I mean, obviously, you're not signing much of anything this year, so you could take on one more year of a contract, um, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. You'd have another expiring for the next season. Um, We – you know, free agency is dried up with all the extensions anyways. So, what I see has to happen is somebody's got to be packaged out with Gorgie. Um, And I think it has to be a wing packaged out with Gorgie to bring in either a third point guard or um, another power forward type. Um, it can't – because if you only get rid of one wing with Gorgie, you're still creating a log jam if you bring back another wing. Um, unless you're bringing in some project like Josh Jackson was, um, that you get in some minutes um, in the games that are either you pulled away or the other team's pulled away. Like a, a Frank uh, Nedakina from New York, I just butchered that, um, Kevin Knox, I think, is, the team, is a team – is a guy they've given up on in New York. Um, something like that. Troy Brown, Jr. in Washington is somebody that's always kind of intrigued me. Um, so, if we had to pick right now, which wing player is going to get packaged with e. Jane? Jane?
0: Uh, Grayson? Allen? I mean, that's an easy one to say just because he's fallen out of the rotation. But, I mean, I don't see how you could do it with DeAnthony. Again, we discussed Dylan Brooks. I mean, maybe Dylan. Dare I say that Dylan may be too valuable just because of his defense? Like, if you are going to make the playoffs, you need that defensive stopper. And but I think.
1: Do you not believe that DeAnthony, Justice, and Kyle can be those stoppers themselves?
0: It's possible.
1: Is, is DeAnthony the most untreadable wing that we have?
0: Yeah, his contract and his performance, I believe so, yes.
1: Okay, but then you argue I, – I can't remember what podcast I listened to where they talked about it. It might have been the Mismatch or the uh, Ringer NBA podcast where Kevin O'Connor was talking about um, the, some of the money that was signed this offseason. That ten to $12 million range – is usually a, like Rodney Hood getting the contract that he got in Portland. It was to make trades happen. So Dylan Brooks has a very tradable contract. Kyle Anderson has a very tradable contract. Justice Winslow has a very tradable contract, but I don't think he's going anywhere for sure. And then no. Melton has a very tradable contract. Allen has at least a, a lesser tradable contract because it's hard to make money match with his small contract. Now, obviously, if you pair him with, so. with Gorgie, then it works. But right. If you're bringing in somebody that has a fat contract that's an expiring and they're going to give you a pick back, you're going to have to package one of Kyle, uh, DeAnthony, or Dylan with Gorgie to get to that 25 to $27 million range to take back somebody that's going to, you know, they're going to give you a young player in return. They're going to give you a draft pick in return for taking him. Um, I don't know. I agree with you that it seems like because Grayson's out of the rotation it's the easy answer. He's also an expiring contract, isn't he? Who, Grayson? Yeah, Grayson's. I think he has a team option maybe after this year, but I mean, I think he only has this year left before the team option. Um. So if if I, it's Dylan's not a, Dylan's not up, DeAnthony just got renewed. Kyle is is he an expiring this year or is he next year?
0: See, I thought Kyle was. Um, I'm getting all these contracts confused. <laughs> I'm having to look them up now.
1: Yeah, I'm going to pull them up too. Um, Let's see, Grizzlies. Shout out to Basketball Reference, by the way, for having the easiest website to navigate. All right, coming off the books this year, is only Gorgie. Um, Okay. Kyle Anderson has next year on the books for 9.9. Grayson has next year on the books for four. Um our team options are Winslow next year, Jaw, you know, his contract starts going in two years. Um BC starts going in two years, Desmond Bain starts going in two years because he's a second round pick. And then Tillman, Tillman has a uh fourth year option as well. So let's see the notes on Grayson's contract. Um, his 2021-22 team option was picked up on December 16th of 2020. I missed that.
0: Okay, so –
1: I don't remember seeing that.
0: What, it was – when you say it was December 22nd?
1: December 16th.
0: December 16th. I don't remember that either. I think – wasn't that like the deadline or something for teams to pick
1: up those – had to have been because Brandon Clark's option was exercised on that day too. So was Jaron Jackson's. Yeah, um, Jaw's team option was exercised that day. Yeah, that had to have been what it was.
0: So I remember seeing. I just didn't remember Grayson being part of that. I just remember that there was a deadline to where they had to figure out if they were going to pick up options or not. And I don't remember Grayson being part of that. But
1: yeah, I, I, I don't guess. either. So um,
0: I guess if you want to entice another team, I guess you would have to dangle uh, Dylan out there.
1: Well, and that's the thing, like these, this, these teams that, that Shams is, is hinting at, are they, are they just interested in Gorgie? Um, And could it be someone like the Knicks that has some cap space and has a need for a backup center? That's because, I mean, they're making the playoffs this year. Um, and I think yeah. Gorgie would, would be a good fit to play for Tibbs again. Um and I think he's teams,
0: fresh. I mean, yeah. with what – the minutes that Tibbs plays his guys, he gets some fresh legs in there with glory. He had not played that much. It would be a welcome addition.
1: Right. And I think teams like both L.A. teams, um, Utah could use him as a backup. Uh, the Nets could definitely use him, his ability to stretch the floor, but also rebound and, and block some shots. Um, the Raptors could use him because um, Boucher is fragile at times. Um, I think there's there's a lot of contenders that could really use somebody like him because uh, he, he can do it all. Like, he can spread the floor. He can score in the paint. He can block shots, and he can rebound. Like, he just isn't a part of the Grizzlies' future, so there's no point of him playing over Tillman at all. Right. So, I don't know. I think I, I'm settling on Corgi's going to be the only guy that's gone at the deadline. I don't, I don't think we're going to get rid of a wing um, unless some crazy package comes our way. Um, that And that crazy package, I think, w- would be either Kyle or Dylan included uh, for a contender that needs some defense, um, which would be a team like, um, I think the Raptors would be a good fit for both DB and Gorgie or Kyle. Like any of those three, those they'd fit well in Toronto. I think Boston could use Gorgie as well. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of options that make sense for, for all of them. I did not know that Dakari Johnson is still on the books for the wave provision, the stretch provision. No. He's on the books this year. Marco Guterich is on the books this year. And Dion Waiters, $12.6 million is on the books.
0: Deion Waiters.
1: The first basketball island of all time, Waiters Island. Jeez. <laughs> what's, right. he do,
0: what's he doing now?
1: He is He's on somebody's roster. I don't remember who it is. Um, let me see. He's on the Lakers. Yeah, makes sense. All right, so we were recording this prior to the 9 p.m tip off um, in Phoenix because there was no way that these two old men were going to be up at 11 o'clock to fill tonight, fill or record a 45 minute long podcast. So, Ben, what are you looking for on the second night of a back-to-back? No, Justice Winslow against a very, very good Phoenix team.
0: Uh, I'm looking for. I mean, you got you got a problem in that backcourt. You got to contain Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And think you without Justice. I mean, Ja can't really. He's gonna he's gonna have his hands full with Chris Paul. Maybe Dylan's gonna play 30 plus minutes tonight. On, on Devin Booker. If he does, he's, I feel like he's got to hold him under 20 points. Has he to. got to hold Devin? Yeah.
1: Earn your 30. You hold him under 20, I'll, I'll shut up. I won't say a word.
0: I mean, do you think uh Jai will be on uh, Chris Paul?
1: Let's see. So they start Chris, Devin, Michael Bridges, Cam. No, they start Front the Tank now, don't they? Kaminsky and. Um, and Aiden, they got away from Cam Johnson and, and last time we put him as was Frank the Tank.
0: Let's see. They might have their lineups already out. I mean, I know that the Grizzlies, they're starting Desmond Bain again. So, it looks like officially, you know, the uh, – <laughs> Grayson Allen is for sure out of the starting lineup. Uh, here we go. Bridges. Jay Crowder is getting the start.
1: Crowder is getting the start. All right. So, um, you can imagine that either Chris Paul or Jay Crowder is going to be on Jaw. Um, two good defenders. So even Michael Bridges is a, is a stud defender as well. Desmond Bain is going to have to guard Bridges or yeah. Crowder. Um, I think he he's to guard
0: Bridges.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, depends on if you put Kyle on uh, Chris so Paul. You could put Kyle on Chris Paul um, and then let Bain slide down to Crowder and Jok ja can hide on Bridges. Or he can even hide on Crowder. You can hide Jaw on one of them, but I haven't really seen a whole lot of them hiding Jaw on anybody. No. They, they let I, him get worked.
0: I mean, Maybe they'll just let him get worked by Chris Paul. I don't know. Um,
1: well, if you just – you had the mindset of, all right, we're not going to let Booker beat us tonight. You know, Chris Paul is going to do what Chris Paul does and hit a 1,000 elbow mid-range shots um, <laughs> and draw some fouls. You hold him. You, you limit what, what Aiton does with Fallon Tunis and Tillman. Um, and don't let somebody like Jay Crowder have a uh, anti-Joe Molinax night and just go crazy from three.
0: I think you got to start off the game, throwing it into Jonas, and see if you can get Aiden in foul trouble. Oh yeah, I think you have to do off the right right from the get go. I know that uh, we already discussed how it feels like when it when we think they should go to Jonas, they go away from him. But I think that's what you have to do immediately: go right at Aiden.
1: Yeah, and I want to see DB just. Piss off Devin Booker from the start. Like I want him up in his grill from the start. Just don't ever even let him get a chance of getting in a rhythm. Um, and then if he does that, if 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 Dylan Brooks holds him to under twenty points a night, I will say something positive about him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and if and if what if uh, what if he shoots twenty five shots and Booker goes for thirty? Oh,
1: <laughs> I will be insufferable. <laughs>
0: I don't see that happening but I think but Booker's one of those players that like if Brooks gets up in him early he'll get frustrated and he could end up picking up a tech or something because he will get angry
1: yeah Booker, get Booker's soft man he he's he is not somebody that's like he didn't have that killer mentality yet like he's got to be able to find that and maybe it's something Chris Paul will help him you know figure out through the season yeah. but
0: feels like Blake he did that with Blake Griffin I mean I, I'll be honest I think Blake Griffin was a little softer than he was when he left uh, the Clippers because of Chris Paul.
1: Right. It, it's going to be a tough one. I saw Fast Break Breakfast post the the last 20 games the best records, and Phoenix has the best record at, I think, 16-4. and four. Um, th- That's not a surprise. This team is deep. Um, they're good. They are well coached. Um, and they're going to be a problem. Uh, so... I, We need to see – the word that Jenkins used for last night was a lack of focus. So, obviously, you want to see focus tonight, see if they come out with some intensity early. Just like OKC, they got smacked the night before. Um, They came out with more energy. Maybe because we got smacked last night, we'll come out with some more energy. Because if you're really chasing the playoffs, you headed into this two-game back-to-back set expecting to split. Well, now you're going to fight to make that split happen. Um, so hopefully they're able to do that. Um, we'll see what Grayson Allen's getting. You know what happens if Grayson goes off tonight? I mean, you're not going to sit Winslow when he comes back. So, right. What if What if Milton and Grayson and DB all three just have efficient? All of them score, you know, 12 to 15 points. Like, what do you do? Uh you got to figure out a way to get them all in. I mean, that's I don't know. I mean, Chase
0: saw the Grizzlies win if that happens. And they're going to need a win. I mean, their next four games after this, they are at home, but they t- face Miami, and they got two against Golden State and then Boston.
1: I'll tell you what to do. You don't give Dylan 30 freaking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you split them up, man.
0: It'll be it's, it's a wonder what Grayson and DeAnthony have to do to get minutes, both of them get decent enough minutes to pull away from Dylan.
1: I guess one of them just has to keep getting hurt. We just need one of them to keep going, you know, having to go on the injury report for four or five days. Let the other one go off for four or five days, and we just rotate them the rest of the season.
0: And if you're Desmond Bain, you're playing through as many injuries as you can, so you don't lose your starting spot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you would think, like he didn't play so great last night, so you're like, all right, let's see what Grayson's got. Let's get him back out there. You know, you know, Bain is not helping us too much and they didn't do it i don't know we'll, we'll see I'm gonna keep this, it. It,
0: that would be what you would do you would just throw grayson on chris paul if you needed to or or brooks on paul and grayson on booker i
1: guarantee you, grayson would piss off chris paul real real quick yeah chris paul might <laughs> like, look yeah, at grayson allen and be pissed off
0: yeah so i that is under why he's i guess he's just going with him. I don't know what Taylor Jenkins with his lineups. I, I can't guess. It felt like he was making progress and playing with the hot hand, which was now it's regressing with comfortability.
1: Yeah. I, I remember I was so thrilled early with Jenkins at how much better he was with lineups than J. B. Bickerstaff ever was. And now he's just got some J. B. Bickerstaff type stuff coming out. Like it, it don't make any sense.
0: And I don't know if it's too much of analytics stuff. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I, 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 part of it makes me feel like, you know, back when I was in, in grade school, like the coaches would make the starting lineups of each quarter before the game started, and that's what they're going with no matter what. That's what it kind of feels like right now. It's like I have these five that are going to be playing at the start of the fourth quarter no matter what, and that's what we're going out at with. And you got to make adjustments.
1: I'll, I'm going to wait to hit the panning button until he goes five in, five out. The minute he does that, we got a problem.
0: <laughs> you got that hockey line change. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, man, anything you want to throw in there before we hop off and go watch this game?
0: Uh, a couple of things. Real quick, uh, congratulations to you. Uh, I'm going to get you in the playoffs. Uh,
1: in the <laughs> yeah.
0: league, still not getting John ja Morant or Luka. Uh,
1: I'm still in first a- place, so I don't need him.
0: Oh now you don't need him. And then uh <laughs> we'll say welcome back to uh Jarvis Greer, uh yeah. Channel Five. He came back uh on the air today. He uh he beat cancer, which is awesome to hear. And uh you know he's a, he's a fixture in Memphis Sports. He is Memphis Sports, and uh it's good to see him back on
1: the TV. For sure. Glad to have him back. All right. Um are you betting the bear tonight?
0: Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't bet on the bear recent. I'm, I'm saving all my money for, uh, to lose during this NCAA tournament.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say you were saving it for top shot, man.
0: No, I'm already done with top shot. <laughs> I tried three times to get in and I don't get past 77,000 in line. No. And then I try to, you know, I look at the other pack. They're like, well, you can't get this pack because you don't own any cards. I'm like, I don't own any cards because you put me at 77,000. And then ninety three thousand, and then seventy seven thousand. I know. So now, now, <laughs> <laughs> to lose on this tournament.
1: Oh, my first attempt. I was seventeen thousand in line. I waited in line for like an hour and a half. I got Devin Booker, Zach Levine, and I don't even remember who the third one was. That's how insignificant they were to me. But I'm gonna try to sell these these three cars to make enough money if I can buy a couple more packs and just keep doing that until I get one that I just love, or I get one that like hits the jackpot.
0: Right. So, I mean, I understand doing it, I understand what everybody's doing it, but I'm just I'm out like it. I just it's one of those things you like, you're so excited, you're so excited, and then they're just like, No. It's like you're going to a theme park. You have to be this tall to ride this ride, and you're a couple inches shorter, but that's all you wanted to do, and now it's I'm not doing it again.
1: Done. <laughs> oh, Ben.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it's, I'm being salty. But then you you look on Twitter and everybody else got a pack. And I struck out three times. Man. Everybody got it the first time, the first day. All my friends. They all got a pack. I couldn't get it three days in a row.
1: Oh, man. All right. I got one
0: friend that texts me all the time. Hey, man, I just got this top shot pack. He just sends me. He gets so many. He gets all of them. He gets all the Top Shot packs. I'm like, I can't get one.
1: Well, save your money for his by tournament. We'll talk. We'll talk bracket stuff next week. Um, fill out your GBB Live or your Grizzly Bear Blues bracket if you want to join us. Um, I believe they posted the link on Twitter. Um, yep. Well, they'll they'll probably repost it a couple times. Get your brackets in. Um, I've got Gonzaga going all the way. What do you think?
0: Uh, I like that pick. That's that's a bold pick right there. <laughs>
1: well my my team got snubbed so i'm pissed
0: oh well you can go for that orange and white there uh five seed Tennessee vols and uh,
1: first round upset (laughs) all right man let's go watch this game Um, all right this has been another episode of three reading podcast we appreciate you guys checking us out make sure you check out last week's episode with rob fisher as well until next time